We have been studying the Gospel of Mark, if you've been with us, and today we are continuing in chapter 8. Chapter 8 of Mark, if you brought your Bible and you want to turn there, be focusing in on the part of that, the passage today. Chapter 8 is a, really a major turning point in Mark's Gospel. Up until chapter 8, no one really gets who Jesus is, um, that he's God in the flesh. The religious leaders don't get it. The people in his hometown of Nazareth don't get it. Even the disciples don't get it. But in Mark chapter 8, right after Jesus heals a blind man, a revelation takes place. And like the blind man that Jesus healed, God opened the eyes of Peter and the disciples to see that he was, in fact, the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. But also like the blind man, their sight was not fully restored. It was only partial. Uh, They could see him, but not completely. Peter is still, as it were, reading his spiritual life in Jesus in Braille. So let's continue in Mark chapter 8 to the next part of this. Um, I'm going to back up to verse 27 and move forward. Mark 8, verse 27. Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And as he was stating the word plainly, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And then he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And Jesus was saying to them, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come uh, with power. After the disciples recognize that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus begins begins to teach them what I would refer to as the way of the Lord. Mark, I think this is a theme in Mark's gospel as he presents the life of Jesus. And he introduced us to this uh, very first thing in his gospel when he's introducing us to John the Baptist and uh, Jesus. Uh, In Mark 1, verses 2 and 3, uh, Mark writes, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. 
a voice of one calling in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Now, Mark announces that Jesus is the Son of God here, and he comes on a journey called the way of the Lord. And in Mark chapter 8, Jesus right here begins to describe further details about what that way of the Lord is, what it involves. And they don't receive it too well, and probably we are not going to either. First, let's talk about what the way of the Lord is here in Mark's description, Jesus' words, and why the disciples act so strongly against it. In the Bible, uh, the way can refer to a path, a road, uh, a pattern in life, or a journey. And here in Mark 8, it refers to a journey Jesus has taken. Um, And we see in Mark 8, 27, these words will repeat, we'll see them repeated throughout the rest of Mark's gospel, where we're told that Jesus set out, uh, that they were on the way, uh, and it suggests that at this critical juncture in Mark 8, now we're uh, kind of moving to the last leg of this journey called the way of the Lord. Um, Jesus set out along with the disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way, he started questioning his disciples. As I mentioned last time, beginning here, on the way, this phrase we'll, we'll see repeated through the rest of the gospel in, in chapters 8 to 12 nine times. Well, where is Jesus on the way to? Uh, well, he told us in verse 31, he began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected, be killed, after rise three days again. Mark wants us to know that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem from this point on, and ultimately to the cross. And this, you see, is a very difficult message. And we see right away the disciples had a hard time accepting that way. Following the way he's describing brings death, suffering. Why on earth, why on earth uh, would Jesus follow a way leading to death? Didn't understand the Messiah was all about that. Well, as you know and as we'll discover as we continue, why he did it was to serve us and ultimately to save us. The disciples, of course, were upset and refused to believe that God would allow his anointed one to suffer and die. What kind of theology is that? But you see, Mark's making a case, as we'll continue with these disciples, a wrong view. See, they're only seeing him partially. A wrong view of Messiah will lead to a wrong view of what it means to be his disciple. After Jesus rebuked Peter for that kind of thinking, which was against God's interests, He calls everyone. Okay, we we need to address this right now. Everybody, come on over here. You disciples too. Let's talk about this. I know this is an uncomfortable message for you. (laughs) And so, what he's going to say 
to everyone who's listening was even more unsettling, which it will be for all of us. The way of the Lord, you see, is also for his disciples. Mark 8, 34, he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Those who want to follow Jesus, who have acknowledged he's the Christ, God in the flesh, he has to do three things. Deny yourself, a willingness to take up your cross, and a commitment to follow him. Well, let me try to get our uh, heads around this. Uh, I think, for me, it's helpful to realize that those three things, denying yourself, taking up your cross, following Jesus, all revolve around this image of the cross that Jesus presents, and that's where we're going to focus our attention a bit. What What did Jesus mean when he said, take up your cross? For Jesus' disciples, obviously, it means something different than the physical cross Jesus took up and died on. That was his alone and his mission. For us, though, in the modern era, I'm afraid the cross, uh, the image that we are seeing in the Gospels, the the cross has really lost its sting. Uh, We wear crosses as beautiful jewelry and put it on our shirts and clothing. In the first century, the cross was, everybody knew this, it was an instrument of death, a a pain, torture, dehumanization, shame, and death, ultimately. This would have been a shocking, striking statement Jesus is making to this crowd. How can anybody do that? The cross represented Roman oppression. It was reserved for the lowest classes of people. And it was an instrument of terror by Rome to punish criminals and squash slave rebellion, making a public display of their wrong, creating fear, and everybody looked at that. I don't want to have that end up like that. And interestingly enough, the Gospel of Mark was probably written, we think, about the time Emperor Nero was crucifying hundreds of Christians in Rome. They knew what this was about, the the first readers. They probably couldn't believe their ears. A cross. Take up your cross. For Jesus and those in the first century, the cross meant terrible suffering and death. Just imagine how shocking it was then for them to hear this and Jesus inviting them (laughs) to take up their cross. Can you imagine yourself there? Knowing what that cross was all about, Roman instrument of torture and death, 
What's he saying? Well, for a disciple of Jesus, while uh, they may not be carrying a literal wooden cross, Jesus is using it to make a point. Taking up your cross does carry the same two ideas, suffering and death. It means suffering, like Jesus, following God's way will involve suffering. We don't like to hear that. But it's true. And uh, like Jesus, our suffering, though, this is the good news, our suffering, like him, has a redemptive purpose in God's plan. It's not meaningless. It has purpose, just like Jesus was. Second, taking up your cross means our death. It may actually mean, for some people, our own physical death for Jesus, as it is happening in the world to this day, for people's, for their faith in Christ. They're dying, physically. It may mean that, being martyred because of our faith in Jesus. But if we're not martyred because of our faith in Jesus, it does mean our death on some level. Jesus is saying the life that we knew before coming to know him and had been living it according to the world, the flesh, and the devil is over if you want to follow him. Over. Death to it. Look at how Jesus, though, qualifies taking up your cross. It, denying yourself precedes that invitation. Deny yourself, take up your cross. See, you won't be able to voluntarily take up your cross unless you first deny yourself. Your rights and your, your agenda, your dream and vision for how God should work it out in your life. And what's interesting to me in this passage, looking at it as a whole, this concept of denying yourself is linked to a word we see repeated in this passage four times. It's the word soul. The word soul uh, is the Greek word suke. Some trans, in your English translation, is just translated life. Um, and it's, from, it's a word from which we get words like psychology, suke. Uh, what is that? Well, our soul is who we are as a person. It's our core identity, um, our sense of self, our personality. I'll have more to say about this next time, because there's a lot going on here. But Jesus is saying uh, that to deny ourselves, take up our cross in order to follow him, means living, if I said earlier, living according to your old self, your old identity, will not do if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. Won't do. Something's going to have to die. When we believe in Jesus, you see, uh, the scripture, when we believe in Jesus for eternal life, scripture says, that God gives us a brand new life. We are new creatures. 
a new self, new meaning, a new name, new significance, a new security that becomes our new identity. And the basis now to understand who we are. You cannot live in with your feet in both sides of this thing, see? Requires commitment. Uh, if you want to follow him, you're going to have to die and start accepting and internalizing your new identity in him. That's the only way you'll be able to follow him. <laughs> or we will. Now, let me just say, I thought about what, when we were apart from Christ, we didn't know him, we didn't believe him, we just think of ourselves as being religious or Christians, but we never had any personal logic. We didn't have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We didn't have this new nature in us he's given us in the Spirit. What did we base our identity on? What was our core self? What do we look to to define who we are to ourselves? Most of us base our identity in what we do what we're good at, what we accomplish, our achievements, or we base it on recognition, people telling us, oh, you're so good and wonderful. We form an identity around that. And to deny ourselves and take up our cross means to exchange that identity, which Jesus will talk about in a minute. Exchange the identity, exchange the purpose, reason we're living for, for a new one. A purpose and reason that Jesus came to give us. And here's why. It's interesting, in Mark 8, 35 to 38, Jesus explains what discipleship means in four, the four statements that follow. You want to follow me? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He follows, he follows with four statements, <clears throat> which all begin with the conjunction of purpose. Grammatical term. The, the word, the conjunction, the word is for. F-O-R. Here's why. You probably ought to think about doing this. <laughs> doing what? Deny yourself, take up your cross. Follow me. Oh, so these are four statements, but they're really three reasons we should listen to Jesus do what Mark 8.34 says, taking, denying ourselves, taking up our cross. First reason to deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Jesus is verse 35. For whoever wishes to save his life, his soul, will lose it. Your soul who you are, your identity, before you knew me. Lose it. It's no longer valid. Die. The old self is dead. But whoever loses his soul for my sake in the gospel will actually save it. I think what he's saying is the first reason... <clears throat> To deny yourself, take a record, is to gain the fullness of life we seek, actually. This is why we're pursuing all these things. 
to gain the fullness of life we, we seek, which is only found in Jesus through the gospel. If we want to save our old sense of self, our old soul, by striving for all the benefits this life can give us, apart from Christ, Jesus said, we'll lose. It will not give us the life we seek deep in our soul. It won't do it. But if we lose that old self, eschewing the things we relied on to save ourselves and fill us for Jesus' sake in the gospel, we'll save it. It'll produce the life in our soul that we fundamentally seek. And just like Jesus, our cross means we stop striving to gain our identity and save ourselves using the world's metrics. And here, I gotta say, this to me was most applicable to me. The, the most convicting thing the Lord used this passage for, is right here. Because that's, unknowingly, we use the world's metrics to, you know, save ourselves, to, to think of ourselves in this uh, better light. Um, our identity, we want it to be something stable, solid, and it, it's, it means something, it's purposeful. Deep in our soul, we want to know we count, we're somebody. But uh, our cross means we stop striving to gain that identity, saving ourselves using the world's metrics. Instead, when we choose for Jesus' sake to lose according to the world, Jesus is saying, we actually win according to God and his kingdom. It's counterintuitive, I know. It's, we're not going to like this. But uh, Jesus, you see, had a choice. He had everything. God, glory, had no need. <laughs> Perfect fellowship of love in eternity with the Father and the Spirit. And so here he is. He ends up in Jerusalem. He's carrying his cross. And he even, he even says this. He could have saved himself. But he didn't. This is the way of the Lord. You can save yourself. Or you could give yourself away to Jesus and the gospel. And this is what Jesus is explaining in these reasons. This, uh, Jesus' choice became poignantly clear as Jesus was hanging on the cross, uh, being mocked by the passers-by, and in a cryptic statement uttered by the chief priests, listen to this, Mark, Mark 15, uh, verses 29 to 31. Those passing by, he's on the cross, remember, were hurling abuse at him, Jesus. Abuse. Wagging their heads and saying, ha, 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 ha. You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it through, save yourself. 
and come down from the cross. In the same way, now listen to this. The chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, you know what? He saved others. He cannot save himself exactly the way of the Lord. I encourage you to think about this a lot. I know I have deeply. How am I trying to save myself? Now, I'm not talking about eternal salvation. For those of us who believe in Jesus, that's eternally secure. I'm talking about in this life. This is what Jesus is talking about. You want to follow me as a disciple. You've got to start thinking about this. How do we try to save ourselves from the, in the world's metrics to become important, to be somebody? He's saying, you need to die to that if you want to follow me. But there's a second reason Jesus gives us to deny ourselves, take our cross. It comes next in Mark 8, 36, 37, introduced by the conjunction for, twice. For, here's why you probably should think about doing this. For, what does it actually profit a man to gain, listen to me, gain the whole world if you want? <laughs> really? You keep on the track you're going and you get everything. And you lose in the depths of your very soul. God's fullness of life in you. For what? What on earth? It's, it's, Great question. What on earth will a man give in exchange? There's the word exchange. For his soul. See, the second reason he gives us uh, to give up our striving for self's sake to find meaning in our life is because the gains we strive for in this world won't last. <laughs> we can get the whole shebang. And what he's saying, there is no gain valuable enough for you in this world when you compare it with the life I can give you. No gain, even up to the whole world. And what he's saying basically is don't build your identity on gaining things in the world. Now, we will gain things in the world. He's not talking about that. You know, be successful. Be, be good at what you do. Uh, you'll get accolades. You'll get all this stuff. But be careful when you think that's what's making you somebody. That's your identity and your soul. Oh, I'm somebody, all right. Look at all this. See? It has... It's a disconnect from your relationship with the Lord. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> what are you doing to follow him? You know, there are so many things, I've examined my own life, and there are so many things I think we subtly, even unknowingly do to try to save ourselves to be somebody, to have an identity where we think That's, that has meaning. That is something. We try all kinds of things. 
I know I have. Um, and we think, if we just get those things, my soul will be filled. That's what he means by saving yourself. Disciples don't think that way. Disciples of Jesus don't think that way. They know. And he's trying to tell them, the life you seek is in me, in in your relationship with me. You can't get it anywhere else. and if you think about this, I think every single culture in the world has certain things they value. And they will tell you, if you gain these things or achieve that, then you will be significant. You will know you are finally somebody. You'll have self-esteem. Uh, your sense of self will be saved. Now, in traditional cultures, like we find in the Bible, you, and even today, you are nobody unless you gain a family, unless you have children. You're nobody. You're cursed almost. Now, in individual cultures like ours, you are nobody unless... You gain a career. You get an advanced degree or a successful business or you're doing fantastic works of charity. Then you can know you're somebody. According to the world's metrics, your soul is being framed and filled by your efforts to succeed out there. And Jesus is saying, that will not do for my disciples. Will not do. Now, this is where it hit me. You see, because for pastors like me, well, I'll tell you how it relates. See, we are nobody. Literally. Unless, I, unless we have a big church, our coffers are full. And we have ministries for every age and all kinds of opportunities for people in ministry. We're nobody. See, in this culture, whoever you are, you are somebody if you have a gain-based philosophy of your identity. And Jesus is saying, do, do, not, do not get a gain base. If you gain the whole world, it does not go deep enough. Only he can give us life at our deepest level of being. And whatever is gained here, which is fine, is going to stay here. It will not last. And by the way, as some of us have already figured out, It doesn't even deliver what we think it will. (laughs) Will not do it. So what is there about the temporary things in this world that makes, in our minds, so worth it that we're willing to exchange our identity in Christ, our finding our identity 
relationship of reality in him. His words to us of approval. What is it that seems so valuable we're willing to exchange it? This is what Jesus is, I believe, saying. And every culture has a different concept of what you need, you and I need to gain, and perhaps every area of life has a different gain-based goal for you to think of yourself as successful and somebody. And Jesus said, die to it. Embrace who you are in me and for the gospel. It will be well worth it for you. But finally, Jesus leaves us one more reason. And by the way, I've got to talk about, I haven't even, I've only scratched the surface. I know this is a very difficult message. It was for me, but I'm going to have to return next week to finish it because there's so much here we need to think about. But anyway, today he give, Jesus gives us one more reason to deny ourselves and take up our cross and following, which is perhaps the most powerful. Again, beginning with the conjunction four. He runs through these reasons. Here's why it is worth your, <laughs> worth your while to deny yourself and take up your cross. This is what I did. I left my throne in heaven. I can't save myself and do that for you. I can't. Impossible to both save yourself and be a disciple. One more reason. The third, these, this fourth conjunction four, verse 38. Four. Whoever is ashamed of me, you are finding your identity and accolades. Where am I in that picture? Nowhere. <laughs> in fact, when I, when I tr try to make myself known in your life, you kind of recoil. Wait a second, that might, that might uh, do damage badly to the things I'm doing to try to save myself, to be somebody here. Oh, whoever's ashamed of me, in my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Woe. I'll have more to say about this next time, but... Uh, and... And I, I just look at what he's saying here. The third reason we, uh, to follow him as his disciple and do this uh, is, is the reality and the hope of Jesus' return. <laughs> he's not dead. We may live like he is, but he's not. He's come, He's returning. And a great reason, Jesus is saying, to deny ourselves now, take up our cross, and follow him, is one day when he returns, we'll be standing face to face with him. Well, you made a great name for yourself. And I, I'm reminded of, I think it's Luke 15, where 
rich man is building greater barns and tearing them down so he can build bigger ones. And it says, well, one night God took, took his, he died and he, the text says he was, uh, he was not rich toward God. Hmm. He was rich by the world's metrics, but it stopped right there. And if we have never lived with the new identity Jesus has given us as a new creation in, in God's sight, but have continued to save ourself, our sense of self in this world by all the metrics people put before us, my thinking is we're going to deeply regret it. We'll tell ourselves we should have known better. <clears throat> See, dying to our sense of self and taking up a cross means receiving a whole, living according to our whole new identity in Christ at the deepest level of our being, realizing nothing, nothing the world can possibly give me of any value can reach that deep to fill me. Can't do it. Means that he's calling his disciples to die to the things we once cling to for meaning, significance, self-esteem, security, and approval apart from God. It's all right to have those things in the world. Don't, I, don't misunderstand me. But there's this line where <laughs> It becomes something we're doing to save ourselves, protect us. And we're not really engaging in our life in Christ. This is how we begin to follow Jesus. It's called the way of the Lord. And this image of the cross is just helpful to remember that. Um, and while that way, the way of the, of the cross, will, it will be different for every single one of Jesus' disciples, every one of us. It will involve the same cost, and this, it will end in the same result. Saving or losing our life, our soul, at the deepest level of our being. Our way as we go forward will involve circumstances we come to where we see, boy, if I gain that, that'll mean I'm somebody. No, it won't. <laughs> you are somebody because you are in Jesus, and God loves you forever. You're his child. Whatever gain uh, we think, it'll never go deep enough to fill our soul with God's life. Uh, but while we're on that way and we see our efforts to gain and save ourselves through these things the world is telling us to gain, uh, to feel good about ourselves, to be somebody, uh, if in those times we take up our cross, an instrument of death, and say, I would rather follow Jesus, come what may.
physical death, whatever. You see, whatever we die to now, for Jesus' sake and the gospel, and we'll talk more about this next time, will, as it did with Jesus, burst forth into incredible life. God's life. Jesus' way involved dying on a literal cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, but his death not only ended in a spectacular resurrection, his death ended death forever for everyone who believes in him. It did. And resulted in the free gift of eternal life given to everyone who believes in Jesus. I urge you to believe in him. Let him fill your soul. Stop trying to fill it. All the things you think in this world they've told you will end up really giving you the life you want. It won't. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he was willing to suffer. He, he, we're told he, he is in the glory uh, of the Trinity for eternity and chose to empty himself, chose to suffer, take up his cross and die for us. But he knew that would not be the end of the matter, according to your will, that you would raise him up from the dead and give your life to everyone who believes in him. And you, he lived He lived for your sake and the gospel. And you made it clear what you did with him, raising him from the dead, then seating him at the right, your right hand in power. That, uh, Lord, when Jesus asked us to deny ourselves and take up our cross, we ask you to give us the grace we need to do that. We can't do that in our flesh. By your spirit, help us to do that. When we come to places where we're, we're really uh, trying to absorb be, how to be somebody and uh, whatever efforts we're making to save ourselves, help us, help us. And to know, as Jesus did, that our suffering and self-denial has meaning and purpose in your kingdom, which results in life. We ask for help to do all these things, to be Jesus' disciples, to follow him, um, and, and accurately represent what it means to be in relationship with him, abiding in him, in, in the vine. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.